If you love to read books, chances are you love to talk about them too. But have you ever wondered about whether your favorite celebrities or public figures love to read as well? If you might share a favorite book or preferred genre with them? Well, I sure have. So I'm on a mission to find book lovers, book nerds, if you will, in unexpected places. In this interview series, I'll be talking with people you recognize but don't necessarily associate with books, musicians, actors and actresses, athletes, and more. We will be discussing all of their current projects you want to hear about, of course, but we will also be digging into their unique reading and writing lives. In this interview, I chat with Hillary Burton Morgan. You know her from MTV's TRL, hit television shows like One Tree Hill and White Collar, as well as a slew of wonderful Lifetime movies. Hillary is the perfect fit for this interview series. Not only is she releasing her memoir, The Rural Diaries, but she is an avid reader. I am so grateful that I had the opportunity to talk with her. She's just so grounded and genuinely kind-hearted. Keep listening to hear us discuss Hillary's new book, her passion for her hometown of Rhinebeck, New York, and some of her favorite reads, past and present. All right, so welcome, Hillary Burton Morgan. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. So for folks listening, we are weeks that um, that feel kind of like years into quarantining with the COVID-19 pandemic going on. So I don't feel quite right jumping right into talking about your book um, without just asking like how you guys are doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you. We, um, we live on a hundred acre farm. And so our lifestyle is very isolated to begin with. And so I have been feeling... I don't, I guess a call to arms and that I'm doing okay. Uh, mentally I'm doing okay physically in this situation. And so, you know, you wake up every day thinking, how can I help someone who maybe isn't, how can I help someone who's boxed in? How can I help the frontline workers, our essential workers? And I think that's the responsibility of everyone who is doing okay is to lend a hand figuratively to the folks that aren't. Sure. I've seen a lot on your Instagram that you're making a ton of masks every day to help folks, which is awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, I was treasurer of future homemakers of America in middle school, <laughs> um, which is something that was one of those like jokes you would tell at dinner parties and people would laugh that I grew up in such like a, you know, conservative small town that still had future homemakers of America. Uh, meanwhile, it's a skill set that has come in very handy. And so if I can put my time to good use and encourage others to do the same, you know, that's important. I see a lot of people posting pictures of like, this is me sitting by my pool and isn't my home gorgeous? And I'll level with you. My home is a pit right now. My kids' <laughs> stuff is everywhere. It's a farm, so there's dirt and dog hair everywhere, um, except for where I'm making masks. That is my my sanctuary. That's great. I love that. Now I'm seeing that everywhere too, and I'm like, these are the people that don't have young kids. Um, I've got a four year old, so I'm kind of in the same yeah. like this is a wreck. I'm trying to work. He's like, what's going on in the world that I'm here all the time with you? Yeah. <laughs> My mom had this sign that hung in our kitchen when I was a kid that said, a clean house is the sign of a wasted life. I love that. I just really took it to heart, I guess. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, your memoir, The Rural Diaries, comes out next week on May 5th. Yay. Yes. And yes. I have to say, it was such a delight to read. Um, 
you have such a natural voice and sort of this writer's sensibility that just drew me right in. And I think in general, the sense I got from the book is you seem to be very grounded and have a real like passion and focus and kind of integrity for what you want in your life and what you want your life to look like. Um, so kind of some of the things you were mentioning there with your family and the kids and the farm and everything going on, I found myself curious when I was reading, how do you find a balance for all of these things in your life and still keep that focus? Well, I'm surrounded by wonderful people. I, um, I feel like I'm spinning a lot of plates and sometimes I get dizzy doing that. And in those moments of being off balance, I have my husband who is spectacular or I have my children who are my light, or I have this community, you know, I'm doing all these fundraisers with my girlfriends in town right now. And there's a group of about six of us. And on any given day, one of us is having a bad day. And it is the duty of all of the others to lift our girl up or lift me up, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so when you surround yourself with people who are doers or people who are empathetic, um, when you choose, your circle wisely, you can pretty much handle anything. And, and I've been really, really blessed with a strong, sensitive circle. So it goes back to your tribe, kind of. You've got who you Yeah, are. yeah. I don't, I think it's arrogant to think you can handle anything by yourself. And that was the mistake of my youth. I thought, you know, like, I'm a strong girl. I can do it. I can handle it. And when you surrender and accept help and accept input um you live a much richer life you mm -hmm. know yeah you gotta you gotta let the people in absolutely so you mentioned kind of in your younger years I, i've got to jump back for at least one question to one tree hill because mm -hmm. folks listening to this love you for that show yeah. um, also as you and i were chatting before i started the recording i live in wilmington which is where the show is filmed it's so beautiful there. I miss it. Um, it is. Um, it's, it's a great little town. And so, so much of the book is kind of about you finding your place in the world and literally like finding the right physical place even to set down mm -hmm. um, and, and build your family and have that life. And so I was kind of wondering if you could talk a little bit about the years you spent living down here in North Carolina and filming One Tree Hill and how that was a different experience from sort of the sense of home that you found um, with Mischief Farm up in Rhinebeck. Yeah, I mean, if you look at if you look at my time in Wilmington, like those were my college years. Uh, I got cast on One Tree Hill when I was twenty, so I had left my home in Virginia, uh, like literally the minute I graduated high school. I moved up to New York City. I had wanted my whole whole life to be a city girl, and I got there, and it was awesome, and it was exciting. And the first thing I did was I went out and I, <laughs> I went to a gardening store. And I bought this big long window box and a bunch of dirt. And the people I lived with were like, why, why is she dragging dirt into the apartment? What's wrong with her? I had to plant something. I had to have some greenery that I was in control of. And so living in New York was fabulous. It still is fabulous. I'm drawn to it. Um, but moving to Wilmington was such a blessing because by episode three, of One Tree Hill. I had moved into a historic Victorian home downtown on Nunn Street and immediately set to 
planting and renovating and crafting a new persona for myself. Even, you know, I, people would come over and they'd be like, God, your house is insane. I've never seen someone's property, such a reflection of their personality before. Uh, I had treated every room in the house. Like it was a different set in my life. So I had my library, I had my, you know, weird, romantic, gothic dining room. I had my super folksy kitchen. So my time in Wilmington really was trial and error, trying to figure out what kind of woman, what kind of adult I wanted to be, because I was right there on that cusp of turning into an adult. And so I was grateful to be in a place that allowed me to take a lot of risks. <laughs> I'd show up wearing like, totally weird things in town and nobody batted an eye. Everyone was just like, yeah, she's a weirdo. It's the South. We like eccentrics. Um, so it was a good place to experiment. Yeah. That's interesting. And you were really young and having kind of a wild experience. I mean, going from what you did on MTV with TRL and then being on this huge series at that point in your life when you're, like you said, really trying to figure out who are you. Yeah, that was a weird deal. You know, it was right at the beginning of kind of uh, internet commentary as well. I remember when I first started doing TRL, my mother saw some message board where someone was making up lies about me, saying that I like hooked up with all these boys in high school. And I was like the biggest virgin ever. So everyone knew it was bullshit. But it was one of those things where it's like, oh my God, people can say anything they want about you on the internet. and I had just turned 18 when I started working there and I was live on television every day trying to trying to figure out who I was going to be. It, in real time people are like judging you. Every outfit, every hair choice, you know, was being scrutinized and uh and so that was a weird deal. I don't know how young actors do it now. They have to be so composed now because social media has just it's eliminated all of those little quiet corners that we used to have, you know, like we got to be kids in Wilmington and no one was the wiser because there was no paparazzi. There was no cell phone video. There was nothing being posted. We were, <laughs> we were idiot kids like we should be. Yeah. And now everything that's, that's done is captured somehow. Oh, it's brutal. Mm -hmm. It's real brutal. <laughs> mm. So what made you want to, Put your experiences down in writing because the book kind of like you do some flashbacks and all but the book kind of picks up at that point where you're leaving one tree hill and you're meeting your now husband for the first time and if somebody yeah. for some reason is listening to this and is not sure who your husband is um he's the wonderful he's so good looking <laughs> i don't know what rock they've been hiding under if they're not aware of who you two are but you know if for some reason um yeah. but, like what made you want to actually put this down because I feel like it's different when you're, you, you know, you're in the public eye, you're sharing your story, but when you put something out there in writing, it's kind of a different thing. Yeah. I mean, I've been writing my entire life. I, um, I was the kid who entered every contest in school and, you know, I won a few awards in college, stupid stuff like that. And I had always written fiction. Um, I have always been a journal keeper and I have done that so I can process my own feelings and emotions. And mm -hmm. it's, a, it's an important tool to be able to see habits in your life, to say, okay, well, I get 
pretty upset twice a year. What are the things that are triggering that? And so, yeah, I think journaling is a really important tool for anyone, whether you plan on publishing those or burning them. Uh, it's, an, <laughs> it's an important tool. For me, I had I'd been encouraged to join social media, uh, and it was something that I was very resistant to. And I think my background at MTV was the reason. I watched all of these people that I used to interview sell, 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 you're selling your life, you know, you make it shiny, make it beautiful, make it perfect. And then the cameras would stop rolling and they'd walk backstage and you just see kind of a shit show and know how much of a, of a facade it was. And so when I joined social media, there was a lot of this like, oh, this is my beautiful meal that I just cooked. And (laughs) this is my beautiful life. And you know, this is my perfect family and everything's so gorgeous. And I'd been very sensitive on One Tree Hill about the new normal that we created. You know, when I was growing up, um, people that played teenagers on TV didn't wear a lot of makeup. They weren't, they weren't in good shape. <laughs> you know, They didn't have like crazy nice hair or like nice cars. They looked like real teenagers. Yeah. And one Tree Hill originally was supposed to be that. The, the script I got was about small town kids. Mm-hmm. And that's the show that we signed up for. And then, um, what was it? The OC took off right before we aired. And it was sexy. And it was about rich kids. And everything was glamorous and fast paced. And we were given the directive to keep up with that. And so One Tree Hill became this show about teenagers who all looked like adults and who none of them had parents or consequences. And it created this new norm that I was always very uncomfortable with. And so what I didn't want in joining social media was to to play into that new norm of look at my life. Isn't it perfect? Don't you wish you had it? Mm -hmm. Um, I want... I wanted people to see the little teeny tiny things in their life, whether it's, you know, I've got dandelions all over my yard. They're weeds and they're spectacular. Or, you know, my gray hair now. (laughs) I want people to see these little teeny tiny things and value them as much as you would value the fancy car or the totally awesome outfit, you know? And so writing this book became an exercise for me in cutting the bullshit and copying to a lot of things that I've done wrong um, or, or situations that I've mishandled or, or just growing up. You know, I was 26 when I left One Tree Hill. So I'm 26 at the beginning of the book and I'm turning 38 now. And there's a lot of growing up in that period of time. Mm-hmm. I think you've hit on what a lot of people like about memoirs. I know at least what I like when I'm looking kind of for a good memoir is that transparency and that honesty. And it's not so much about, at least for me, like the the details of some celebrity's private life or that kind of thing, but it's kind of normalizing. And in a lot of senses, people read these books and I think they'll read your book and sort of see themselves reflected in it because you talk about ups and downs in your marriage. 
marriage is hard. It requires work. Um, You talk about your struggles with getting pregnant. You talk about raising your kids and like how you prioritize these things in your life, Um, which I think is, is so important and reinforcing to readers. Yeah. I mean, I was lucky that when I was navigating what my life was going to be, there were books that served as a roadmap for me. So for instance, um, we had purchased the farm, but we weren't allowed to move into it yet. We hadn't closed yet. And so it was like the winter of, I guess, like 2003. And for Christmas that year, my mother gave me the Beekman Boys book, um, Bucolic Plague. And it's about these two city boys that decide to move up to an area very, they only live like 45 minutes from me here and they bought a farm and they rehabilitated their town. And they also were very frank about their relationship and the fights that they had. And I remember reading it, being amazed that they would admit those things and how audacious they were to put it out into the ether. And it, it helped me, you know, we moved into the farm a couple months later, two months later, And that book became a roadmap for me and made certain, made certain failures of mine. Okay. Because I knew by reading it, there was another side, like you could get to the other side. So in crafting my book, I wanted to pay it forward. You know, you, you're given this gift of honesty from another writer it would sure be a jerk move to, <laughs> to write to write a fraudulent book, you know. So I I really respect those guys, and um, I respect what they've done for their community. And if I've you know accomplished things here, it's because I've had inspirations like that that um, that have you know paved the way. Yeah, that's awesome that you've had that experience yourself, and then turned around and been able to share. Um, yeah, they're cool guys. They're, they're really, really sweet. And they're so supportive of everything that we've done with like our candy store and our farm and yeah, lovely, lovely men. So I wanted to ask a little bit about that and you've, you've kind of headed in that direction. Um, it's really clear in the book that both you and Jeffrey have placed a real importance on being part of the community and investing in it. And like you mentioned, and, and folks will learn if they don't already know when they read the book, the store that you helped save Samuels, the residential treatment facility for children that you've been involved with there. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about like why that's a value that you guys have chosen to prioritize in your life. Again, amidst everything else that's going on, it's a lot of time and energy for these good causes that you've put in. Yeah. I mean, I've had a very blessed life. I started working the second I graduated high school and have worked steadily ever since. And the thing when, when your dreams all come true and you get everything you said you wanted is that, sometimes it feels really hollow mm-hmm. and you get frustrated. You know, I, I said, I wanted to be on a TV show and I'm on this TV show and why don't I feel awesome? You know, why do I still feel like that little girl that is frustrated? You don't have very much control in our industry. So I can go and I can film a scene, but someone else tells me what to say And someone else tells me what to wear and someone tells me how to do my hair and where to stand. And then it's edited together. So I don't have a say in what takes are used. And um, you're, 
you're a cog in the wheel and that's okay, you know, but in our personal life, we wanted to work on things that were tangible and were good and were worth the energy and the time we were putting into them. And so the small businesses in our town are of great value to me. Every single one of those shop owners knows all the children in our town. You know, like the schools let out and you see all the kids ride off on their bikes and walk down Main Street and, you know, whether it's the pizza parlor or the comic book store or our candy store, this safe environment has been created that is rare and special. And so preserving that was something that was very important to Jeffrey and I. And then in our work with Aster, um, you know, that was born out of my first miscarriage. I knew that I had uh, a lot of love in me for more children. Mm -hmm. And I kind of resigned myself to the fact that I probably wouldn't have any more children. It wasn't working out. And so this, this home um, for kids who have experienced oh, really difficult circumstances in their life, they graciously allowed me to come in and process my own feelings by renovating you know, by helping. When you can focus your energy on other people, you stop thinking about yourself so much. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's been an important thing. Anytime I've started to spin my wheels and, and feel bad about myself or get too analytical about myself, being able to throw myself into helping other people just eliminates all of that. You know, you can't be a narcissist when you're, <laughs> when you're working on people who need it more and who are more deserving. Um, so yeah, the town, our town has been really lovely about allowing us into these spaces where we can be helpful. And that's, that's a gift. You know, I'm so grateful that they let us help out. Yeah. It seems like you really found everything. I say everything loosely because life's not perfect, but everything y'all were looking for there. There, yeah, certainly in this phase in my life. Yeah. I'm a very different person now than I was when I was 22. Um, I'm ambitious about different things now. I think you start to contemplate your, I don't want to say your legacy, but I know that my kids are looking at everything that we do. Mm -hmm. And they're very bright and they're very analytical. And so I want my children to participate in our efforts to help in our community. I want them to see me when I'm overwhelmed and then power through it. I want them to witness how to develop tools that will help you as an adult. You know, this situation we're in currently is a lot. It's a lot. Mm -hmm. And I think people who try to guard their kids too much from it are doing them a disservice my son has a lot of questions about what's going on and we talk about it and we're super aware of all the different corners of our community that need help. And he's been wonderful about, you know, helping us prioritize who we're, who we're going to take care of next. Um, you know, we've got to include our kids in this because they're going to grow up to be really resilient, empathetic adults. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I'm going to switch gears real quick for just a couple questions to ask you a little bit more about the writing and um, mm -hmm. talk so much about being a lover of books in your book too. So I had a couple questions about that. 
So you mentioned earlier, you've written your whole life. You've written fiction before this book. Um, I thought the structure of the book was really cool. Uh, Each chapter has got kind of this great literary quote leading into it, which I'm a fan of inspirational Mm. quotes. Call that what you might. Um, (laughs) You've got personal recipes kind of thrown throughout. Um, Even the way that you split the three parts into plant, grow, and harvest, which is mirroring the farm. Um, so I just was curious reading kind of what helped you spark these ideas of how you wanted to structure and frame the story you were telling. Yeah, I mean, like you, I read a lot. And so I knew what I liked. I knew what I didn't like. And I'm so, so grateful to Harper One because uh, my publisher allowed me to break all the rules on, on how this memoir was put together you know, normally you have like uh, chapter titles Mm -hmm. and you've got your table of contents at the front. And there are certain um, formulaic structures for memoir. And I didn't like them for me. I like them for other people. Fine. Um, But for me, I felt it was really important to maintain a thread of literary acknowledgement throughout the book because I don't want people to think that I became a farmer because I grew up around farming. I don't want them to think that I became an actor because I grew up around acting. I became everything I ever became because I was a little girl that read a lot of books and those books allowed me to daydream. And so if every chapter can point someone in the direction of a book that, that inspired me, like great, then, then that chapter title is a tool as opposed to just, you know, some nice sounding words. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, that might be the filmmaker in me that wants every single tiny little thing to tie into the next thing. You know, I put a lot of dandelion imagery mm-hmm. in the book because the nostalgic book that has been my touchstone throughout my adult life is Ray Bradbury's Dandelion Wine. And Ray turns 100 this year. This is his 100th birthday in August. And I, if, if I was inspired by the book that he wrote about his hometown, I wanted the book that I wrote about my hometown to honor that. I think his gift was that he could see the quiet, noble lives that were being lived in little small towns, you know, not people that are famous or big or, you know, powerful, but just everyday people who are living really beautiful, earnest lives. And he could write about them in a way that inspired me a lot. And so I, I'm certainly not Ray Bradbury. I wish I was, but that was the that was the same goal for me. I wanted to honor these lives that I respect so very, very much. Are there certain books you mentioned even just growing up that you loved reading, um, books that you'd like to share with folks listening that influenced you in your childhood and formative years, or even I love asking other parents as I'm talking to them, like books you love reading with your kids? Yeah, I mean, I, um, we grew up, we did not have money growing up. Um, I didn't realize how uh, we weren't poor. I don't want to say that I was poor because I think it does a disservice to people who are actually struggling, but we, 
we were eligible for free lunch. You know, we, um, we made it, but it, it was difficult for my parents and we did without a lot of things. And so we never could go and rent movies and stuff. We had to just go to the public library. So all of my cultural references were pretty dated because I could only get my hands on things at our little local public library. Sure. Uh, so it was always like old movies, old records, and mm -hmm. old books and things that were, you know, out of print. So on top of the Anne of Green Gables of it all, which was my be all end all, there was a book series called Katie John that I said Margaret Calhoun, I believe, wrote it. And I just recently found some old copies of it on eBay because they don't even they don't even publish it anymore. But it's about a little tomboy who her family inherits a um, in a really old family home in the country and they have to leave the city and she's very upset about it. Her dad's like a professor and they have to go live out in the sticks and he's going to write his novel finally living out in the sticks and she grows to love it. And so that narrative of moving out to the sticks and being a, a tomboy, a tough girl was something I really loved, loved it. And yeah, there's a lot of books in the series. And one of the girlfriends that I mentioned in the book, my girlfriend, Tara, we have the same birthday and she is one of the women who really helped me through my first miscarriage. And um, I remember the first time I walked into her house here in Rhinebeck and I looked at her bookshelves and she had all the Katie John books. Oh. And it felt, it felt like kismet. It was just like, there you are. I've been looking for you my whole life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the Katie John book series, I just, I, I love it so much. Yeah, I was a kid that was really into The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Those were good books. And um, obviously Little House on the Prairie was a great series for me. Um, and I never watched the show, the books. I was, a, I was solely into the books of it all. Um, so yeah, I, there is a common thread through all the books I loved as a child is that it all revolved around getting out and getting more grounded in the middle of, you know, small town America. Absolutely. I loved to, you mentioned Dandelion Wine being your favorite book. And I love that you said in the it. book that you keep copies on hand to give to people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I do. That's I've got about four in my basement right now. <laughs> That's what I love about owning books. I think I own more books that I have not read than I have read, but I like to collect them because it's sort of the beauty of sharing them too and having things to look forward to. So that's that's a neat idea for folks to hear, I think. Um, are there other books that are kind of your go-tos as an adult that you recommend if, if you have a friend that's looking for something good to read or something you've read recently that really just stuck out? Yeah, I mean, I you know, the last person I was supposed to meet up with before we went into lockdown is um, Alice Hoffman. Mm -hmm. I, I love Alice Hoffman's books because she understands women like me perfectly. Um, women who are a little bit weird <laughs> and have a witchy vibe to them. Mm -hmm. You know, I always say that I wouldn't call myself a witch, but if my accumulation of knowledge and experiences makes you uncomfortable and you want to label me that, okay. Um, that's kind of how that term has always existed. So she writes all, you know, practical magic and, um, 
she's got a, you know, a new book coming out this October, which is the prequel to the Practical Magic series. And I respect her so much. And I'd started off as just kind of a dorky fan on social media, liking all of her posts and telling her how much I love her. And then my husband was filming in Massachusetts um, in February and March. And we were like, hey, can we meet up for coffee? And so I, I literally was supposed to meet up with her for coffee the Friday before everything got shut down. And we had messaged each other like, you know what, let's just put it off until everything's safe. And yeah, I, so I don't know when I'll get my coffee date with her, but I, I just think she's marvelous. And uh, I've been reading a number of her books while I've been in quarantine. And yeah, I respect her. I really love The Red Garden. That's a great, great book. I read that one. I'll have to write that down. Yeah, it's a good yeah. one. I love her. I loved the rules of magic more than even practical magic. I right? Really wonderful. Um, and so Magic Lessons, which is the prequel to Rules of Magic, comes out in, I believe, October, if mm -hmm. it doesn't get pushed. But she's such a smart, kind woman. And um, yeah, I respect her an awful lot. That's amazing. Enjoy your coffee with her when you get to Oh my God, I'm just going <laughs> to geek out so hard. Um, when it happens, I will be sure to let you know. <laughs> yes, yes. That's like the dream to get to talk to your favorite writers, for sure. It, it really is. You know, I'd had Ray Bradbury's home address. Uh, my very good friend, James Ponsel, is a director in Los Angeles. And when I first moved to New York, I took an acting class downtown on like West Third Street and James was assigned to be my acting partner. So James and I were acting partners for years. Um, and then he moved to LA and I was very upset about him moving to LA because I was a New York girl and I couldn't believe he'd abandoned us. Um, but he went and he got Ray Bradbury's address and drove by and took pictures of it for me and sent me these pictures of Ray's house. And so I had his address and I was like, I'm going to write Ray Bradbury a letter. But then I'd gotten on One Tree Hill and I knew how weird it was to have people send things to your home and what an invasion of privacy that was. And I just respected him so much that I didn't want to do that. And so I've got like four or five completed letters, like in envelopes in my basement that I never sent him. Oh. Um, I, re I always wanted to meet him. I, I just loved him so. And uh, so to meet with a writer that I deeply respect while they're alive? Oh, that's thrilling. <laughs> I love yeah. that. That's one of the actual good things I think about social media is connecting people. And one of the things I've loved about doing these interviews, doing author interviews, and even, you know, you're able to connect with folks and talk to them that otherwise you may not be able to. Yeah, it's a game changer for sure. I'm, I'm a fangirl all day long. I, I think <laughs> it's important to tell people that you value them and that you love them for what they've put into the world. Um, and so there are a couple people like that that I've had the pleasure of connecting with. Um, Aaron Mankey is another one. He does uh, a series of podcasts for iHeartRadio, lore being the predominant one. Um, but he writes all of his podcasts. He's a brilliant writer and he's a brilliant podcast host. And I started off as a fan of his and now we're buddies and we're talking about collaborating on something together. And so, yeah, for as hesitant as I was about social media, it certainly has its very nice parts. Sure. 
Well, I don't want to keep you any longer. You have been so generous with your time and so lovely to talk to. And yeah, for folks listening, just a reminder again, the Rural Diaries will be out on May 5th. Please go pick this book up. As you've heard, Hillary is so nice and grounded. <laughs> She's also a badass woman, which you'll find out. Yeah, I mean, I'll cuss you out if I'm real mad, but <laughs> I'm on good behavior today. There you go. <laughs> No, but it really is. I really enjoyed your book and I wish you um, the best of luck with it. And thank you so much for taking the time to talk. Thank you. I so appreciate you. Thank you for having me. Well, that's it for this edition of Conversations with Unexpected Book Nerds. You can find Hillary on Instagram and Twitter at Hillary Burton. That's H-I-L-A-R-I-E-B-U-R-T-O-N. You can also visit the website for her farm at themischieffarm.com. And as I mentioned, her book, The Rural Diaries, is available now, so be sure to check it out. I am Beth Mowbray, and you can find me on Instagram at B is for Books. That is B period is for books. Also, be sure to check out more great content right here at The Nerd Daily.